Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rule Roundtable featuring Pacific University Director of Athletics, Keith Buckley. We dive straight into the NIL perspective of a college athletics administrator. Let's get into it. I'm here with Keith Buckley, Director of Athletics, Pacific University. Coach Buck, thank you again for meeting with me today. Yeah, I'm excited. This is a, it's an exciting time in college athletics with, with just how much change has occurred. You know, just ratified a new NCAA con- constitution right. last week and, or two weeks ago now. This All of this with the NIL and, and just the, the new world order, so to speak, of college athletics is, right. uh, is exciting. And, and thanks for having me on to talk about it. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's been a whirlwind of a year, obviously, with college athletics, with COVID and everything like that, and then now transitioning into this rule change. But before we get into that, just tell the audience a little bit about your background um, and what prompted you to become athletic director here at Pacific. Yeah, I left high school and and went to play football at at UC Davis, uh, which at the time was a Division II non-scholarship school. So in today's (laughs) nomenclature, very much a D3 kind of experience. Yeah. Everybody was paying their way and truly kind of lived in that student-athlete ideal. Yeah. Uh, and we were, as a program, incredibly successful. And uh, I was in the midst of a 20 straight conference championship run wow. at UC Davis at the Division II level. I was an incredibly average athlete and player. One career interception <laughs> as, a, as a defensive back was, was about all I had. Really struggled with some injuries and, and ended up not being able to play my senior year. And the defensive coordinator asked me to, to stick around and, and be a student assistant coach basically that senior year. And, and I, I never left, basically. Right. Um, it was not my intention when I started college to be a, a, in college athletics for a career. It just kind of happened and, and immediately fell in love with, with college athletics. So I spent a couple of years as a you know young, make no money, deliver pizzas and substitute teacher on the side right. kind of guy coaching. And, and then I went to the University of Idaho as a graduate assistant coach. And so kind of basically traded school for working in, in football and coaching there. Got my master's degree in, in sports science with an emphasis in sport philosophy. Okay. Um, so really fortunate to, to work under a professor that ran the Center for Ethics okay. at, at the University of Idaho and, and did a project on moral reasoning and character development in competitive populations. Right. I think over time, as you look at kind of that piece, the moral reasoning and character development, so much of that epitomizes the Division Three level. Absolutely. Um, that, that that's what we do, and that's who our student athletes are at this level. But left there, got my first full-time job at a Division II school, and then ended up spending three years at Stanford. Oh, wow. Um, in their football program, one year as a defensive quality control coach. And at two years, I was the associate director of football operations. Wow. So I, I kind of ran the business side mm-hmm. of, of Stanford football. Um, and that was my first foray into true administrative work. Was not yet ready to give up coaching, but but it asked it was asked to do that and did it for a couple of years and then went back to UC Davis and got back on the field coaching. Nice. 
and, and ended my time at Davis as the assistant head coach, defensive back coach and recruiting coordinator. And our head coach was retiring and I thought, man, I, I need to get ready if I'm going to be a head coach at some point. And up popped Pacific University starting football and, and was contacted about my interest in, in interviewing for that job and, and came up here interviewing solely thinking I was using it as a skill development for an interview to be the next head coach at UC Davis. Right. Got up here and absolutely fell in love with the idea of starting a football program, fell in love with, with an institution that really stood at a level of Division Three and as an institution, very similar to what my experience in college was exactly. in terms of that, that non-scholarship. We do it because we love it. We still work hard, but it's it's a part of our experience, not the whole mm -hmm. of our experience. Mm -hmm. and, and so I came up and spent 10 seasons as the head football coach and, and when my predecessor, Ken Schumann, the athletic director, retired, the opportunity was presented to, to kind of step out of coaching and, and into administration, uh, which due to my Stanford experience and, and some of those interests was ultimately where I knew I wanted to go. Amazing. And so it's it's been awesome. Pacific has been the longest place I've worked at yeah. in my career. Yeah. And, and I have no no thoughts or desires to, to move on. I think Amazing. Uh, this athletic department, student athletes we get to engage in, coaches we get to work with, are just great people. Yeah. And uh, that's that's always been very important to me, is just being around yeah, and I can I can even say from my personal experience being a basketball player here, I mean, around great people, I've met some friends and coaches and people that are going to be in my life for probably till the end of it. So I've, I mean, I've had a, I had a great ex athletic ex experience here. Life really does come at you fast, though, like you said, not really expecting where things are going to head, and that's kind of like what is going on here with the NCAA on July first. Obviously, they finally presented this rule change to where athletes can now, they can, what's the word, promote themselves through their brand, image, name, and likeness. The NIL, so to speak, is what that all stands for. What was your initial thoughts when you heard about this rule change? <laughs> Initially, the workload. Right. Uh, because and part of that is for my entire experience with the NCAA, when rule changes came into play, the burden to enforce those rules fell on institutions. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're an administrative team of two here, and Warren Brownrigg, who's our senior associate athletic director and senior administrator, is also our compliance officer, basically. Right, with eligibility. And we kind of looked at each other and went, oh my God, what is, how are we going to monitor? And enforce whatever the ultimate rules are that are really challenging given kind of the platforms really that we're talking about when we're talking about nil it's mm -hmm. social media it's not you know a business across the street right yeah. check it's it's this this social media ether that's out there that we, we thought was going to be potentially challenging but on top of that the, the ncaa constitution process that we went through and just ratified a new constitution really i think is going to pay dividends in the nil in that it, it, it alleviates some of the absolute pressure put on departments to 
to monitor and enforce. It really does open up a lot of opportunities for student athletes. Right. To do what they ought to be able to do. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of hesitation over the years from the NCAA to allow that was enforcement based. Mm -hmm. How do we make it fair? How do we make it that it, that it doesn't become pay for play? Mm -hmm. Right? It, yeah. It's professional modeling. It's trying to keep an, an individual's brand. The purity of college sports, so to speak. Yeah, and, and I hate that word because if you've watched the BCS, if you've watched March Madness, like the purity at kinda that gone. level is kind of gone. It's it is questionable, right? I mean, money drives so much of college sports, especially the Division One level. But but more so, it, it allows an individual to develop, market, and profit off their brand. And part of that brand is their athlete identity, but it's not paying them for that. Right. So it's it, it splitting hairs in a lot of ways, I think. Mm -hmm. But it, I think it's a really, really important distinction mm -hmm. uh, that we're just not getting into contract negotiations that schools are paying players. Mm -hmm. Because I think then we get into the whole additional piece that's coming down the pike of are they employees right which is a whole nother yeah. level of complexity yeah uh, that we may may be coming you know i know various states and, and courts are looking at should college athletes be considered employees versus exempt yeah that's an interesting thing you bring up i mean a lot of the athletes that have come on here have kind of talked about their experience thus far and they've been able to create buzz for themselves and interest for themselves because of their, maybe their image or when they're playing, people know who they are because they watch them on TV or they watch them um, through friends and family and everything. But at the end of the day, they're kind of responsible for how much opportunity they create. They kind of create their own uh, opportunities. It's not like they're on a payroll and they show up for games. It's, it's, it is, it's different from the pros. However, for Division One, the opportunities are a lot easier when there's eyes on you. There's, you know, commercial deals being made. Brands are saying, hey, wear this shirt during warmups so that you can see my brand and we'll pay you this. Or, hey, you post this and we'll send you a free product. When you're in that Division One realm, there's a lot more eyes on you, like I said, a lot more attention, a lot more TV deals, marketing brands, what, what and whatnot. Like here in Forest Grove and at Pacific and probably most Division three schools, there's a small student body. It's a small, tight-knit community, a family community, if you will. What are some of the opportunities that could present themselves for students, not only just here at Pacific, but Division two and Division three athletes who don't have that Pac-12, Power 5 experience? Yeah, ultimately, companies that are looking to sign individuals to NIL deals, um, they want to know that they're going to profit off of that deal, right? Like any any uh, endorsement contract, professional athlete-wise, they are banking on that being able to be monetized in sales on the back end. Yeah. Uh, so at the smaller school level, uh, as you start, you know, looking at restaurants or you know smaller entities within these small college towns, 
they got to know that there's going to be a return on their investment. Mm -hmm. And so if that's signing somebody, you know, I think I saw one uh, individual that, that basically signed an NIL deal for a free meal a week. Right. As long as they were there, got their meal posted and on social and, you know, ultimately bringing others to that restaurant, mm -hmm. they're getting more return on that. That one free meal was now maybe ended up being 10, 15, 20 additional meals on that day. Because right. The individual's brand is helping drive that. Yeah. Um, I think that's where it gets a little bit harder at the small schools. The, the return on investment is mm -hmm. much, much clearer mm -hmm. versus the, the major college where it's truly marketing mm -hmm. versus sales driven. Yeah. It's, it's helping produce the brand of the company. And so that's, you know, a real distinction. I think mm -hmm. that division three, division two are going to have to be much more focused on, on kind of smaller pieces, mm -hmm. you know, and if somebody's going to be a national brand as a division three student athlete, it's really going to be for other identities, you know, people that TikTok famous, you know, Instagram influencers, those right. kind of things that, oh, by the way, I'm also a student athlete mm -hmm. versus a, I'm a student athlete, so I can become an influencer. Right. right. So just the, the pathway uh, that individuals take is, is going to be really intriguing and very different. Mm -hmm. And you've seen it at other institutions. You know, the, probably the one that sticks out most to me is University of Texas and their offensive line. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. They're, they're contributing, you know, $500,000 this group to pay $50,000 a year for the top 10 alignment at the University of Texas to show up at community engagements, right? Uh, so community service. So that's less about a brand and that starts to get very much into pay for play areas. And it's going to be interesting to see where that all shakes out. Right. And similar to how division one works and even just connecting with the D3 experience, the D3 experience is a lot of you know, self-motivation. It's a lot of, I got to do my work to get where I want to be. And it's also for the love of the game as well. Mm -hmm. So I can, I've kind of seen the way this has worked with, with smaller athletes is they've kind of had to do their work for themselves. I mean, just applying for different things or reaching out to different brands or going into different restaurants and saying, Hey, can we work something out versus some of the big D1 guys that, you know, I've talked to about this are having people manage it for them are saying, I've just got a guy who reaches out to 3000 companies and says, I represent this player. So that's, that's a really interesting uh, perspective there. What do you think the future looks like in terms of this stuff? Obviously we're kind of just at the root of it, mm -hmm. but we've seen something like how Texas has done. Uh, we've seen a couple of schools masquerade NIL deals and kind of turn it into like products such as car dealerships i mean there's like a kentucky kid driving a porsche like that's absolutely insane i don't even know many college kids who get that opportunity to drive right. a porsche so i mean just little things like that where what do you think the ultimate vision is here down the road because obviously a guy like maybe johnny manzel or baker mayfield when they were in college i mean they would have made so much just because there was so much fan engagement with them yeah what do you think that looks like it's, um, 
in a lot of ways, we're in a lot of mud west right now. Right. And it's kind of a free for all and figure it out on the fly. Yeah. Um, and I think what we're going to end up seeing is, I think government and, and courts are eventually going to get involved in, in what, what it can and can't be. Right. Uh, Especially when you talk about employees. The, the employee law is, is going to be one that really has to shape You know, yep. like that's the, that's the real kind of challenge to it. And I, I am hundred percent for this move to, to be able to do that. I think there's going to be some big major schools that, that really struggle to keep up Right. for a long time. It was facilities, right? Mm -hmm. the, the power five were spending just ungodly amounts of money on upgrading facilities, right. locker rooms, and it was an arms race there. Yeah. And it left a bunch of the mid-majors behind. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you're going to see that in NIL. You're going to see the, the power five top of the top mm -hmm. reap the greatest benefit. Yeah. And the, the mid-major division one schools are going to really struggle to keep up. And I think it's just going to create even wider competitive and equity gaps amongst the, the division one institutions. I think division three, it's going to be very much community-based. Mm -hmm. you, know, you may see a, you know, a Wisconsin Whitewater, you know, that's a Division Three powerhouse, or Mary Harden Baylor down in Texas, that that they might have that mini group of uh, supporters that want to get involved and, and help some of those kids out. And maybe it's five hundred bucks a year, but that's five hundred bucks a year. That's still for a D three athlete. That's more than I made as a D three athlete. You know, that's that's food on your your, your table when you're, exactly. you're finishing up and, and that. So that's great if that comes comes around. You know, as a as an administrator, we have to make sure that that there's equitable opportunity. I mean, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to get it, but that we aren't promoting small pieces of the department for it and, and leaving others behind. So, right. And, and with 550 student athletes, that's really hard. Right. Absolutely. To, you know, this, this area may not have the, the community build to support in NIL fashion mm -hmm. a large swath of our student athlete population. So, yeah. You know, with that, I don't know how active we administratively will be in trying to influence that. Yeah. You know, it's really about 
individuals profiting off their own main image and likeness. Yeah, and and that's really hard at the Division Three level, considering it's um, a small community, a tight knit community. A lot of Division Three schools are in areas similar to Forest Grove, mm -hmm. being even smaller, where you know the community is involved or maybe not involved. But I think Pacific does a really good job mm -hmm. of just engaging the community yeah, yeah. within games and mm -hmm. just helping their athletes not only feel like they're part of Pacific Athletics, but yeah. part of the community of Forest Grove. So, yeah. I mean, have you have you drafted any of, have you came up with any ideas? I know it's, I know it's, you know, obviously way early. Have you, have you thought of anything that you could maybe help kids as an administrator or help influence that? Obviously, I know it's hard with 500 athletes, but what are just some small things that you've maybe thought of that could give D3 opportunities? Well, I think a lot of it falls under education. Mm -hmm. um, both education of our own student athletes, but then education of the community at large yeah. um, of, of what is available, right? Because so many people for so long understood and knew about extra benefits. Yeah. Like, right? No, you can't walk into a restaurant and get a free meal uh, because that's an extra benefit and you're profiting. Yeah. That's gone now. You can sign that agreement with a pizza place and they want to give you a free pizza every week and you're posting that on social as an exchange and, and driving sales great um, and some of it I, I don't know if, if it happened at your school but in high schools right all of a sudden start to get the prom season and you see kids walking around in tuxes for a day handing out advertising yeah right for for tux and that kid gets a free tux by doing that yeah that in and of itself is leveraging that individual's whether it's popularity or notoriety on campus in exchange for a free tax for. Right. And I think that that's where the small school level really ends up being. Perfect. Um, you know, I know there are a ton of you know, sign up to be an ambassador, sign up various companies. I know, you know one that, that we've had some interaction with is a, a mouth guard company, I think Shock Doctor. Yep. Uh, that you can sign up to be an ambassador, you get a free mouth guard. Right. Twenty dollars. Perfect. But it's twenty dollars, and if you got to post, you know, wearing your shock doctor mouthpiece a handful of times to get a free mouthpiece. Why not? Why not? Right. Right. So it's. I think for us, it's it's starting relatively small and, and seeing where it goes. Right. And the reality is the legislation. Is all Division One driven, mm -hmm. and we're trying to navigate how we fit into that exactly. being in such a different model. Right. So there's there still is some wait and see mm -hmm. on really what it's going to look like, yep. and how we can, as a Division Three institution, incorporate ourselves into that. Amazing. Well, that's like right now. It's not worth it for us to get a management platform. Right, it's so new. Division one is doing because we don't have enough volume mm -hmm. to necessitate that level of tracking, mm -hmm. that level of uh, kind of resource. Totally. To do and that's understandable. Well, yeah. well, I mean, all the information you gave was, was great and it was really interesting to see kind of your side of it, not only as an administrator, but an administrator of a small institution who opportunities may look a little different than some of these others, but it's still something like we said. So thank you again for, for taking the time to chat with me today. And 
uh, good luck with everything moving forward and go boxers yeah appreciate it thanks for the time and that concludes season one of the rule roundtable thank you for listening to all 10 episodes Stay tuned for more updates moving forward. Thank you.